Our text this morning is found in John 14. So um, turn there. And um, let me just make clear something that Chris did not cover in the announcements, and that is um, these boxes that are, we think, quite an evangelistic tool in Fraser. We buy those. That is, we do. Um, you can, um, we will send little notices if you'd like to give one in memory or honor of someone. Uh, you know, for people who have everything and don't need anything else, you can, uh, we'll send them a card that says uh, um, that food box has been given. So, um, join us. Uh, we'll be buying some, Susie and I, and, <clears throat> um, and then come on that Saturday the 6th and pack them with us. Also, don't forget that December the 3rd, December the 3rd, a Wednesday night, uh, is a congregational meeting at which time you will select um, five new men or five men from a list of nine. Um, Guys, we've already covered verses one through three. We did that last week or two weeks ago. But because I'd like for you to have the continuity of the paragraph, I'm going to start at the beginning of the chapter And I'm going to read through the 11th verse of John chapter 14. So you follow as I read. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, There you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, one has to be some kind of madman to preach a text like this. Um, Though it does have parts in it that are very prosaic and even poetic. It also contains truth. That is um, 
that is absolutely hated by our culture. And not only that, um, in certain religious circles, these words that I read you are a source of embarrassment. Uh, This text forces you to bite off more than you can chew. You know, one of the statements that I just read you that's contained in this passage is the very essence of what the non-Christian world hates about Christianity. And I bet you, you know which statement that is. Of course, it's verse 6. This um, most exclusive claim in the entire Bible. There are other exclusive claims in the Bible. But none of them are as jolting as is verse 6. Let me, um, let me restate it for you. Let me um, rephrase it. Because hopefully you can um, appreciate what is being claimed in verse 6. Here, here it is. Taking Jesus out of the equation means that there is no way, there is no truth, there is no life, and no man will ever get to the Father. (laughs) And I'm telling you guys, those are fighting words. Um, In a world that is saturated with pluralism and relativism, those words in verse 6 make people fighting mad. Theologians from all over the world uh, come out of the woodwork to take their shots at this statement. And, and anybody who dares to, to repeat it. Um, and they, they take their shots with a sneer. It goes something like this. Are you saying that uh, Jesus is the only way to heaven? You poor benighted fool. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. But Jesus is, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> my, my job is simply to show you what he said. Um, and I, for one, happen to believe what he said. So guys, let's get this much straight from the very beginning. If you call this Christ, your Savior, you need to know this. Your Savior is despised the world over for saying things like this. Exclusivity. Narrowness. 
absolutes. Those things are hated. The, the, <clears throat> um, this culture despises all of that. Exclusivity, absolute narrowness stuff. Guys, if you call yourself a Christian, you are on a collision course with your culture. Because any other religion that tells you there is another way to heaven is, according to Jesus, a false religion. Well, now, Dr. Young, that's a, that's a, man. That's pretty narrow-minded of you, don't you think? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm just relating to you what Jesus said here. <clears throat> well, um, I bet you that the Greek doesn't say that. Oh, I'm afraid it does. I checked. Some of the simplest Greek in the Holy New Testament. It is simply, ego me, hey, odos. I am the way. Well, then, um, <clears throat> that's just your interpretation. Well, that's true. But tell me. Look at verse 6 with me. How else can you interpret? I am the way. It's unequivocal. Well, but you don't understand, Dr. Young. Um, I don't believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is uh, full of mistakes and errors. Well, now you're talking. Um, I don't agree with you. But at least you have a rational argument. An, an argument that has been used for centuries. <clears throat> it has been overturned, debunked for centuries. But you keep holding on to it um, in the face of massive scholarship. And... Um, it allows you somehow to sidestep what's being said in this text. But at least you have a, you have a rational argument. <clears throat> An argument that, that I think many of us Christians need to take some of the blame for. L let, me, let me explain that. Um, all this stuff that I'm saying this morning about exclusivity, th that stuff is easy to say in here. Um, because most of us, not all of us, but most of us believe that. 
I'm saying to you, take it out there and see what happens. You know, <clears throat> I was listening to a sermon this week by David Platt, and it was, um, it was quite a good sermon, and particularly he said some things in the first five minutes that I thought were so good. And here's what he said. He, was, um, he started out by saying how, how pleased he was and how, how much he rejoiced over the fact that the Christian church has begun to show real interest in things like caring for the poor, um, the insistence upon social justice, uh, their great opposition to the, to the sex trade, and then he said this, but you know what? The world agrees with us over all three of those things. It's easy to, to be in favor of social justice because they are too. But um, I tell you what, why don't you take the issue of the redefinition of marriage out there? How about the issue of abortion? Go talk about that out there. Not in here. You see, guys, we are selective in our moral outrage. All I'm saying is, these things that are being taught in John 14, they're easy for us to discuss them in here. But the culture in which you find yourself, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely despises statements like these. <clears throat> we live in a world that wants no moral absolutes. And they use their, their relativism and their, their, their pluralism as a lubricant to try and um, hasten the passage of all these new moral laws. And it absolutely despises anybody who says things like this. Gang, the bottom line for our modern world is that there are no absolutes. The bottom line for Christianity is precisely the opposite. There's no merging in those two. Modernity, um, modernity, modernity offers us a God who is not nearly so morally angular as, as the one that we find in the Bible. They take this God and they, they um, grind down all of his angles so that they can make him more tolerable and more less threatening, more comfortable, you know? Gang, 
That's the world that we're trying to reach. We're trying, <clears throat> we're trying to reach a modern mind who has a complete lack of interest in absolutes, but especially this one. Verse 6. We are offering a God. We are telling the world that God offers himself on his terms or not at all. So, do you see that you've got to be some kind of madman to preach this? This is a text that is a thunderclap in the face of modern man. It is a call to arms for him. So, um, you need to know that uh, as we get into the text. So, if you got that down, let's, let's take a look more closely at what the text teaches. <clears throat> Guys, I find um, that there's a lot of interest um, in the subject of heaven these days, um, especially among us older Christians. Um, there, there are a couple of good books out there. Uh, Paul Tripp's got one. Uh, Randy Alcorn's got one. They both make, they both make good reads. But the, <clears throat> but the one thing that we've got to get right about heaven is how to get there. The composition of the pavement of the streets in heaven, that's negotiable. But we've got to get right how to get there. Gang, in our text, these 11 guys are confused. They say so in verse 5. Maybe, maybe it's the stresses and the strains of the night. Um, maybe they're discombobulated. You know, sorrow has a way of making us forget what we know. But whatever the reason, they're, they're confused. Um, they are... Um, they don't understand what Jesus is talking about, about this way thing that he says in verse 4. And they express their confusion... In verse 5. And then in reply to their confusion, stated in verse 5, you get verse 6. Where he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Apparently, Jesus is not as worried about how narrow that might sound as we are. He's more interested that everybody understand accurately the right way to get to heaven. The thing that he wants them to know is the way. By the way, did you notice 
that the real issue is the way. He mentions it in verse 4, it's mentioned in verse 5, and it's mentioned in verse 6. <clears throat> and, and, and here's the essence is what he says. Concerning the way to heaven, you don't need a compass. You don't need directions. Um, you need a person. Christ is not a guide to the way. He is the way. Jesus Christ himself is the way to God. He doesn't open the way. He, um, he doesn't show you the way. He is the way. And if I am ever going to end up where he is, then I'm going to have to have a personal connection to him. <clears throat> but, but, but wait a minute, Dr. Young. I mean, um, um, what about my baptism? And, um, and, 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 and by the way, um, I've got a few, a few good things about me that I want to make sure get mentioned. Well, you go right ahead. But I just want to show you that Jesus doesn't mention any of that. When it comes to describing the way. Um, you see, the way is really not a way. It's a person. The how is really not a how. It's a person. Jesus Christ himself is everything that a sinner needs. And once I have the way... I also have the truth and the life. They're, they're a package. And all three of them, I want you to notice this, all three of them have a definite article, the, in front of them. Do you see that? Yeah, I see it, but so what? Well, <clears throat> Jesus doesn't say, I am a way. Oh, a way among many. I am a truth, a truth among many. He didn't say that. <clears throat> you know, back in the 60s, late 60s, you, you have to be my age to remember this, but <clears throat> back in the late 60s, the thing that brought Martin Luther King to Memphis, you may recall, was a garbage strike, which was the thing that ultimately led to his assassination. But in that, in that garbage strike, the, um, the marchers, the protesters, the, the garbage men, they walked through the city streets with a placard around their neck. Remember what it said? It said, I am a man. Because there's lots of other men. But of men, I'm, I'm one of them. That's the difference, ladies and gentlemen, in a definite article and an indefinite article. Jesus uses the. I am the way. I am the truth. And by the way, I looked at that in the Greek too. All three of the articles are there. Jesus solves all of their difficulties by pointing them to himself. 
He is not simply a teacher of truth, but he is the truth itself. He doesn't say, I have the truth. He says, I am the truth. Um, He doesn't say, I teach you about life or I enhance life. He says, I am life. Outside of me, you are without life or truth or a way. But a way to what, Jimmy? Well, a way to the Father. And apart from Christ, are you listening? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is the heartbeat of the Christian message. Apart from Christ, there is no way to the Father. None. None. And Jesus makes that very clear by adding one more sentence. No man comes to the Father but by me. Um, gang, Jesus is the only means that any of us have for ever reaching the Father. That's what's being taught here. And by the way, that's not new. Um, something like it is said in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14 that says, There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Guys, <clears throat> we are not allowed to manufacture our own way. Because the way that seemeth right to a man It won't get you to the Father. Oh, but it's very, very popular in our culture. Everybody figuring out their own way and telling you <clears throat> telling you that religion is like a mountain and that God is at the top. And one people only goes up this side, and we go up that side, and this side. Everybody's got a way up. That is false. That is, if this is true. Now, guys, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, he, um, we come to verses 7 through 11. Because if you thought 6 was tough, verses 7 through 11 are far more complex. They may not be as controversial, but they're, they're more complex. Um, in fact, in some parts of the world, Verses 7 through 11 are far more, complex, far more controversial than our verse 6. Um, 
Whereas this might not be controversial to us. These words in verses 7 through 11 are, um, are considered to be the most controversial claim that Christianity makes because they bring us face to face with the doctrine of the Trinity. You know, Philip says in verse 5, he wants to see the Father. And um, Jesus says, Philip, (laughs) you know, Bubba, I've been with you for three years. Don't you get it? Don't you get it, Philip, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Um, He says in verse 7, if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, You've seen the Father. That's the Trinity, ladies and gentlemen. That's what that is. It's minus the Holy Spirit, but he gets brought up in verse 15. Um, (coughs) Yikes. Sorry. What rational human being talks like this? What rational human being says, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Would Moses say that? Would Moses say, well, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Would Elijah say that? Um, What about Peter? Who would say such a thing as this? But that's the claim, ladies and gentlemen. When you see me, you've seen the Father. Guys, let me give you a brief statement of definition of the Trinity. You ready? <laughs> God is three and God is one at the same time, but not in the same sense. Got it? <laughs> um, the three persons of the Trinity share one essence. They are equal in every way. So what's so difficult about that? Any questions? Guys, Ravi Zacharias says that in the East, the most scandalous claim of Christianity is is the doctrine of the Trinity. Whereas in the West, the most scandalous claim is exclusivity. So the West is scandalized by exclusivity. And the East is scandalized by the doctrine of the Trinity. So what Jesus has done is that he has succeeded in scandalizing the entire world in a matter of two sentences. That's that's, that's a pretty hard thing to do. But these are the claims of the text, ladies and gentlemen. Now, one other thing, and and I'll um, shut down. I want you to notice what he says about proof. He says, there's two things that I want you to see that are proofs of my claim that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, that I and the Father are one. Two things. His words and his works. Guys, there's there's an episode in John chapter 7. You need to check this out. This is really, really neat. 
the Sanhedrin sends some soldiers over to arrest Jesus. So they go out with their spears and they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to arrest Jesus. A few hours later, they come back. They don't have him. Um, Sanhedrin says, um, hey, fellas, uh, what do we pay you for? I mean, didn't we send you out to arrest him? So, yeah. Why didn't you bring him back? It's in John chapter 7, verse 46. They say this. Why didn't you bring him back? They say. No man. No man ever spoke like this man. How can you arrest somebody who talks like that? You see, folks, one of the proofs of who Jesus is is to be found in the things that he says. Let me just give you an example. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Guys, you are in a crisis at this moment. Do you know that? You've got to do something with those words. What in the world do they prove to you? Jesus says, mm, they prove that I and the Father are one. How, what do you think they prove? Because either they prove that or they don't prove. Either they do or they don't. And I don't know why you're here. If you've concluded that they don't prove that. Unless, of course, you, you've discovered that there's a vacuum in your heart that, that has not yet been fulfilled. One of the things that proves who Jesus is, is his works. Excuse me, his words. The other thing is his works. Believe the works that I do, he says. Let me tell you one. It's in Mark 4. Um, disciples are in a boat. Many of you have been on this lake. If you've, ever, if you've been to Israel, you've been to the Sea of Galilee, and they get you on this boat, and they... You know, you go across and you dance, and it's, a, it's really a fun thing. But um, they're in this boat, and um, there's 12 of them in Jesus, and Jesus in, he's in the front of the back. I don't know what, you, but he's asleep. Big storm, wind and waves, and crashing up on the boat, and all these guys are scared to death. And, and um, they finally wake Jesus up, and they say, don't you care that we're about to die? Jesus stands up, and he says, um, he talks to the wind. <laughs> he says, peace. That's enough. Um, that's enough. And the wind stops and the waves die down. And the, the 12 guys in the boat, they look at each other and they say, who is he? 
who in the world is that guy who can speak to the wind and it obeys him? Who must this guy be? And then chapter 5 follows immediately upon that question. And chapter 5 is filled with like six different miracles, all designed to help people answer the question, who is he? Because if you look at this, this thing, and this thing, and this thing, I mean, if he really did that, that is, spoke to the wind and it obeyed, then who must he be? Guys, that's what's in this text. A claim to exclusivity, a um, a mention of the Trinity, and a um, a list of proofs for the claims. Let me let me close like this. Guys, I take no great joy in denouncing other people as wrong. I may have at one time, as a younger man, I, um, I may have liked a good fight. I'm, I'm way beyond that. I, I don't take any joy in talking about... I'm not trying to be anti-anything. But I do take great joy in trying to preach Jesus Christ correctly. Now, if I have, and and you're going to have to be the judge of that, if I have, then here's what he's done. He has gone to great extremes to explain to us the way that any of us are ever going to arrive in heaven. And for us to try and create another way is immense wickedness. You see, if he is the way, then that means I am not. Oh, my friend. I'm I'm pleading with you to be done with this self-salvation project that you've got as if you can save yourself by your goodness. You can't. You are not the way. this text tells us clearly who is. Our Father, would you, um, would you encourage the hearts and souls of your people as we wrestle around with profound things that have come from the mouth of Jesus Christ? Would you, um, would you use these things to stir in the the hearts of those who have not yet embraced the Savior. Would you use these vain babblings of mine to, um, 
to at least start the process that people might begin to at least search and wonder, could it be that Jesus Christ is the thing that I've been looking for all my life? Would you do that, Father? Um, Not so that Gracie Van can get more numbers. We're not interested in that. But we are very interested to see men come to know the same Jesus as so many of us have. Father, um, would you do it? Would you open the eyes of those who have not yet seen the great beauty of Jesus Christ? Do that for Jesus' sake. We ask it, of course, in his name.